It's been good to be here with you today, and it's always encouraging to see you make it a priority to be here tonight. Um, I've been looking forward to preaching this sermon. Um, it's going to be from Psalm chapter 5, so if you want to go ahead and open up there to Psalm chapter 5. Um, the Psalms have always been really special to me in that it seems like it's the book that I often find myself turning to the most. And tonight we're going to specifically look at a prayer of David, and it's been a prayer that's been helpful to me as, I help to, as it helps me to think about my prayer life and my relationship to God in that way. And so go ahead and turn with me to Psalm chapter 5. David tonight in Psalm chapter 5, he's going to challenge us, he's going to challenge each of us to rethink the way that we look at our relationship to God through our prayer life. And so we're going to go ahead and read the first two verses here to get started. Psalm 5, verse 1 and 2. Give ear to my words, O Lord, consider my groaning. Give attention to the sound of my cry, my King and my God, for to you do I pray. Too often I think I read psalms like this and go through the beginning of it without really appreciating the way that David begins his prayer. He's really pleading with God here to hear him, to hear his prayer. There's recognition here of his need for God, of his dire need for God, his complete dependence on him. And he doesn't really just want God to hear him. You don't get that idea here. You get the idea that he needs God to hear him. And I'd go as far to say here, David is practically begging that God hears him as if it's life or death. Now that's an intense type of prayer life, right? So think about, think about our prayer life for a minute. Think about your, the way you pray. Is that how we sound? Does it sound like we're begging for God to hear us? Does it sound sincere? Do we really care that much if God does hear us or not? And if not, maybe it's time that we reevaluate the way that we think about prayer and our relationship with God in that way. So there's two main things I want you to think to take away from verses 1 and 2 here. And the first thing is notice in verse 2 that David said, My God and my King. Now he's going to use the word my here a lot. I think it's like six times just in those first two, or first two verses. Or first three verses. And that shows you how personal this is to David and how personal our prayers need to be. David's not just repeating phrases that he's heard other people say, but he's making it personal and he understands that he is individually responsible before God. Because our relationship with God is not just about being here tonight together. It's not just about singing together and praying together. And while those things are absolutely important, David realizes that we need to remember that we're individually responsible before our God and our King. And the other thing David acknowledges here is he makes it personal, but he also recognizes God for who he is. When David says, my God, he's acknowledging the deity, he's acknowledging the power, he's acknowledging the divine nature of God that he's praying to. And when David says, my king, he's acknowledging the authority that God has. And not only that authority, but David's acknowledging his allegiance and his submission to that authority. And so just in those two verses of David's introduction to his prayer, he shows us the importance of sincere prayer. He shows us the importance of personal, involved prayer and acknowledging who the one you are praying to is, his God and his King. So let's go ahead and go to verse 3. Psalm 5, verse 3. O Lord, in the morning you hear my voice. 
In the morning, I prepare a sacrifice for you and watch. So David does acknowledge that he knows God hears his voice. But it's interesting here that when he says God hears his voice, he hears his voice in the morning. So do you think that means that God doesn't hear his voice in the afternoon or the evening? I don't think so. I think David here, that's his way of emphasizing this. He's emphasizing how important prayer is in his life. It's how he starts his day. It's the first task of the day, to pray to his God and his king. So it's obvious that David takes prayer seriously. He sees it as a top priority. And I want us to turn to the New Testament because there's someone else in the New Testament that has the same attitude and priority about prayer. And in Mark chapter 1, it says, speaking of Jesus, rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. So speaking of Jesus here, the very Son of God took time out of his day for purposeful prayer in the morning. Now I think sometimes we make excuses, at least I do, for why we don't pray enough, why our prayer life isn't what it should be. Or maybe we get so busy or caught up or we don't have time to fit it in, or we're just too tired that day and and we'll do it later. Whatever the excuse might be, sometimes we let half the day or more go by before we even pray. But do you think Jesus' life was any less busy? Do you think he had more time than you? Just in this chapter, in Mark chapter 1, Jesus had been busy that day, the day before, and then this day that he gets up to pray, he has a lot to get done that day. So instead of waiting to the end of the day to see if he has time to pray, what does he do? He doesn't sleep in. He gets up before sunrise to make sure that he has time to pray. And he, he even does it strategically, right? He picks out this desolate, quiet place to go so that he's not going to be distracted when he's praying. And so this, this is this idea here of purposeful prayer. And I think we would be wise to reevaluate that in our lives and make sure we're imitating our Savior in that way. And while we're thinking about <clears throat> purposeful prayer, look over at Colossians chapter 4, and it's on the screen as well. Colossians 4, verse 12. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you, always struggling on your behalf in his prayers, that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. So there's this idea here presented in Colossians of struggling in prayer. Now I want you to understand that it's never implied that prayer is easy. It's not. It's not casual. It's not just repeating these same traditional phrases that we've heard over and over again but it's intentional, and it's going to be hard work. And if the very Son of God needed prayer in his life, then how much more do we? How much more do we? And so I think it's important that we see that and that we help each other to be more intentional about that, to be more intentional about our prayer lives as we strive to imitate our Lord. Okay, so back to Psalm chapter 5. We're going to go to verse 3 here. We took a little detour there, but I think it's important as we understand how important Jesus saw prayer to be. So in verse 3, the second part here, David not only directs his prayer to God, but it says, in the morning I prepare a sacrifice for you and watch. So we're going to, get to, the, we're going to save the sacrifice part for a bit later. But for now, let's think about what David means when he says that he watches. Watches what exactly? What is David watching? Well, he's watching for the Lord to hear his prayer and to respond, right? That's this idea of faithful prayer. We're not just praying as a last resort because it's all we have left. 
or we're just tossing it up there. No, we're praying with hope and expectation that God is going to hear us and that we know God cares about us and that he's going to respond according to his will. So again, we're not just uttering these words or speaking up into the void where our words are lost, but no, we're praying to a God that can do something about it. And so we watch and we wait. But David keeps going here. In Psalm 5, starting in verse 4, David says, For you are not a God who delights in wickedness. Evil may not dwell with you. The boastful shall not stand before your eyes. You hate all evildoers. You destroy those who speak lies. The Lord abhors the bloodthirsty and deceitful man. So David realizes something here. He realizes that if we want to be able to pray with confidence, if we want to be able to petition our God and our King, then David realizes there's some things I need to know about that God. There's some things I need to remember about him if I'm going to be praying to him. And just a few that he mentions, he doesn't delight in wickedness. He can't dwell with evil, the prideful, the boastful. They can't even stand before him. He hates all evildoers, destroys liars, abhors bloodthirsty and deceitful men. So he obviously has expectations, right? There's a standard that he expects to be lived up to. But David is saying that not only does he expect us to live up to those, but if we don't, those who don't, they're going to be destroyed. So what chance does David have? We've, we're given a lot of stories, right, about the life of David. We know the things he did. We know he was guilty of wrongdoing. We know he lied. We know he shed blood at some point. We know that, we know that he did these things. But why then does he still approach God who hates those things? What chance does he have and what chance do we have? And I think that brings us back to verse 3. We're going to go back to verse 3, this part that we skipped here. When David said that he prepares a sacrifice in the morning with his prayer. So David recognizes that God has expectations, right? And he knows that he has to meet those if he wants to be heard by God. And so that's the reason here that he prepares a sacrifice according to the covenant that he has with his God and his king. It's because of who God is that he needed this sacrifice even in order to approach him. So what about us? We know that we don't offer up animal sacrifices anymore, right? So what can we really take from this? Well, I think we know that Jesus offered himself as the perfect sacrifice once for all time. And so we don't have to continually offer up animal sacrifices as atonement for our sins, but I think there is a way that we're shown that we are still to be offering up a sacrifice to our God if we want to be heard by him. And that brings us to Romans chapter 12. We're going to look over there for just a minute. Romans 12. <clears throat> Romans 12, verse 1 and 2. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, what is acceptable, and what is perfect. So as a part of our new covenant that we have established by Jesus, we're to present ourselves as living sacrifices. So if we want to be heard by God, just like David understood, if we expect God to even be able to look upon us, then we need to be living the way he expects. Why is that? Because he's holy. He's a holy God, he's a holy king, and as his people, we need to be holy as well. 
But back to Psalm 5. David is going to make a clarifying point here. Psalm 5, verse 7. But I, through the abundance of your steadfast love, will enter your house. I will bow down towards your holy temple in the fear of you. So David clarifies here that there is nothing that he did that was deserving of being able to approach his God and his king. And the same could be said of us. There's nothing that we did or we ever could do to deserve the grace of God, the love of God, to deserve this amazing privilege that we each have to to go before God in prayer, to worship him like we've done today. But it's because of who God is. And that's what David realized in verse 7. It was through the abundance of God's steadfast love that David could even have hope of approaching him bowing before him in reverence, in fear. And we, like David, we need to remember God's love and how abundant it is. It's not just a little bit. It's abundant. And we need to continually thank him for it, like we see David doing so often throughout the Psalms. So he's going to continue here in verse 8. In verse 8 he says, Lead me, O Lord, in your righteousness. Because of my enemies, make your way straight before me. For there is no truth in their mouth. Their inmost self is destruction. Their throat is an open grave. They flatter with their tongue. Make them bear their guilt, O God. Let them fall by their own counsels. Because of the abundance of their transgressions, cast them out. For they have rebelled against you. So here, David realizes that he is unable to attain righteousness on his own. He is fully dependent on God. He's praying for God to lead him to his righteousness, in his righteousness. And he pointed out, because of my enemies, God's enemies, our enemies, they're going to make it tough on us, right? And just because, I think a common misconception in the religious society is that as Christians, you know, well, life is supposed to be easy, right? Because we're on God's side. But just because we're on God's side, and David recognized this, it doesn't mean that there's not going to be people in this world trying to make life difficult on us. And that is why it's even more important to rely on God to lead us, to lead, him, lead us in his way. And we see David doing that here. David is praying that God's way would be straight before him. But David also here, in verses 9 and 10, he presents the condition of his enemies, really of the enemies of God. And he really presents their hopelessness, the hopelessness of their situation. He says they don't know truth, and they're going to be destroyed because they've chosen to rebel against God. And so why does he bring that up here? How does that fit in? And I think David realized how important it was for him to be reminded of what it looks like to be an enemy of God and where that is going to lead. Because we do not ever want to find ourselves in that situation. If we're going to be praying to God, if we're going to be having the same hope that David had, then we can't be what's found here in verses 4 through 6 and verses 9 and 10. That can't be us. But David is going to continue on in this prayer to God in verses 11 and 12, and he's going to be beautifully contrast this. So let's read verses 11 and 12 in Psalm 5. And he says, But let all who take refuge in you rejoice. Let them ever sing for joy and spread your protection over them, that those who love your name may exult in you. For you bless the righteous, O Lord. You cover him with favor as with a shield. So David's saying there's protection for those that are seeking the Lord. And those that find refuge in the Lord, they're also going to find joy. There's going to be reason to rejoice there. 
And God is going to bless the righteous. There's this picture of God becoming a shield for his people. And it's just such a beautiful picture of how close God's relationship is with his people and the way that he continually provides for them. And really, in this section here, in verses 8 through 12, I think if we really step back and look at it from a big picture point of view, what we're going to see is we're going to see this helpful roadmap in verses 8 through 12 that Psalm 5 gives us, that David sees, this, this roadmap, that in verse 8, he says, lead me, O Lord. He's asking God to lead him on his path. And there's this idea of constant communication and prayer, the importance of prayer. Lead me, O Lord. Where is God leading us? Verse 11, but let all who take refuge in you rejoice. God is leading us to a refuge. And there, finally there in that refuge, in that safety of his refuge, we can rejoice. But the thing is, it's got to be in that order. There is no joy outside of refuge with God. And we're not going to be able to find that refuge without God. Just another helpful illustration, I think, in Revelation chapter 7, it says, Therefore they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. And this is just another illustration of what David was searching for. David was looking for this presence of this God who is seated on his throne. The God and King that shelters his people with his presence forever. And that's just another beautiful picture that he's presenting. <clears throat> and so as we bring this study of, of Psalm 5 to a close, I think we need to realize that in order to get started on this journey, in order to make the creator of the world, to make him our king, we can only do that, as David said in verse 7, through the abundance of his steadfast love. And we have access through that love today, through Jesus. Over in Romans 5, Romans chapter 5, if you want to turn there with me. Romans chapter 5. <clears throat> Romans chapter 5 and verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's that refuge that David was looking for. Peace with God. Where is it found? It's found in Jesus. And through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. That's exactly what David was saying in Psalm 5. He was looking for that refuge where he could rejoice. And Romans tells us that's found in Jesus. <clears throat> and so we're praying to a God who is leading us to his ultimate refuge and there we're able to rejoice together in his presence, as he shelters us. That was David's prayer in Psalm 5, and I believe that should be our prayer today. So I want to take this time, um, if you will, to bow with me, and let's, let's think about this idea that David has been praying about, and let's make it our prayer. So please bow with me. Our most gracious Heavenly Father, we humbly come before you at this time. We recognize you as both our God and our King, and we pray, Father, that you would hear our voices because we depend on you for everything. We need you dearly and help us to, to never lose sight of that. Help us as we go through this, the start of the new week that we would spend more time talking to you, 
that we would spend more time in prayer, that it would, not, that would it be prayer that we would not just check off of a list, Father, but that we would make it personal, that it would mean something to us, that we'd be intentional about our relationship with you, and that we would present ourselves as living sacrifices to you as you want us to. May we have that same desire that David had to always be found faithfully watching for you to respond to our prayers. That same desire that Jesus had to start his morning talking to you, may that be us. May we never feel deserving, Father, of that relationship, of, of that privilege to come before you, because we're not. May we remember that it is because of your steadfast love We ask that you would protect us, Father. We know that there's enemies. We know that they like to make life difficult for your people. We pray that, Father, you would lead us and that you would lead us to that ultimate refuge and that there where you always intended for man to be, to dwell with you, there we can rejoice with one another in your presence. We love you, Father, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. So I hope that you'll continue to learn from the Psalms, like Psalm 5, as you see how important it is in helping us see our prayer life. It helps us to see the importance of our relationship with God and helps us to pray those kind of prayers that David prayed. <clears throat> so we left off in Romans, 1, or Romans 5, verses 1 and 2. And I just want to touch on the next chapter because it picks up. We, we said that refuge is found in Jesus And we can rejoice there. But the next step, Romans 6 verse 4 says, We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. So the journey tonight starts by accessing the abundant love of God, his steadfast love that's through Jesus. And that begins by being baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. And so if there's anyone here that wants to take that next step tonight, or if you need prayers on your behalf, please come forward as we stand and sing.